really prioritize courage over comfort. That's something that I, I strongly believe in. And when I say comfort, I don't just mean being in a, in a comfortable environment, but pushing yourself out of your comfort zones. Hi guys, uh, so I've got Sonal today with me. Sonal is the co-founder uh, and director at Twitter, which recently raised $2 million from Sequoia Search. Congratulations on that, Sonal. Thanks, thanks Manav, thanks for having me here. I'm super excited. So usually I like to introduce people, but I think I just went through your LinkedIn and it seems so crazy because you've been literally all over the globe and I don't think I can sum it up as well as you would. So why don't you just tell us about yourself? How did you end up coming back to India, your journey so far? So yeah, I, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada and uh, you know, I was first generation of, of immigrant uh, parents who decided to very randomly leave everything in Delhi and moved to a place they had never been to before uh, with no plan. Uh, and just, uh, uh, you know, decide where life takes them. So I think that's where my journey began. I saw my parents working really hard to, to give us a better life. And uh, that value of hard work and value for money was really um, instilled in us at a young age. So um, I started working super young and uh, went to UBC on scholarship. And when I graduated after doing you know various odd jobs, I think one thing I was really sure of is that I wanted to help people in whatever way I can or could. And then the other thing was I wanted to try out different things um, and explore the world. So luckily, uh, that's what I've been able to do. Went to London to study at LSE and, and uh, ended up staying there um, amidst the financial crisis. <laughs> I was lucky enough to, to get a job uh, at Deloitte where I worked as a strategy and ops consultant for four years. Um, and it was a really, really great experience. You know, I learned a lot, uh, but somehow I still felt that I wasn't fulfilling my purpose. Um, I had done various, you know, side projects with the UN, uh, with Aga Khan Foundation, always working on healthcare um, and especially access to healthcare, which was uh, broadly, you know, unequal. So I wanted to pursue something along the lines of following that purpose and it led me to India again I guess like my parents I didn't really have a plan <laughs> but I moved um, because I felt really strongly that that's where I would be able to fill my purpose and started working uh, as a freelance consultant with small um, businesses and then even forever new a large brand and then got a got a sense of the market how is the change when you you worked with Deloitte in London then you're back in India and you're in Delhi and you came without a plan. So how is the change in adapting to the work culture here? How did that go for you? Yeah, to be honest, it wasn't easy. I think it, it was definitely an uphill climb. Um, I had been to India so much because all my relatives live here. So I thought, you know, I'll go in a few days. I'll, I'll be able to figure things out. But obviously work culture is, is very different from attending weddings uh, on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't easy and it, and it took some while to, to get uh, used to things and you know I would um, I guess a lot of people expected that because I had worked at Deloitte I would probably end up just working at Deloitte India but yes. I was really really clear that you know I had done the big four thing and yeah. I was ready to move on to something of my own and that's kind of where the, the initial uh, challenge was was trying to you know, make that clear to the uh, people around me who were supported nonetheless, but it was kind of like, a, oh, well, you know, if you've worked at Deloitte, why would you not want to work at Deloitte again in India? It'd be so easy for you. Yeah. And then I'm, when I saying like, no, you know, I want to try something new. They're like, okay, KPMG or ENY. <laughs> and I'm like, no, new means like, 
Not just a lateral move, although, you know, again, I did learn a lot. Um, I just wanted to be doing something different uh, on my own. So, yeah. That's fairly interesting. So how did you end up like being an entrepreneur is somewhat, I feel, it's not that easy to become an entrepreneur, leaving like a good paying job, coming in and just being like, okay, I'm going to just leave everything. and I'm going to start my own company or I'm going to join a company, which is at such an early stage. So how did you start up working with like Fitter? Yeah. Definitely, it's not an easy uh, decision or, or journey. Um, yeah. And with me, it, it happened slightly accidentally uh, because I was actually looking to focus on my health and, and personal fitness. Um, and I thought, you know, give myself a deadline by entering a, a competition. So I thought, okay, I just have two months. I better get fit or it's going to be super embarrassing. <laughs> so I, I signed up for this competition and I had just heard through a friend about this Facebook group with, um, you know, that, that helps people get fit. And I had no idea what that meant. So I reached out to JC, uh, who is the, the founder of Fitter at that time, Squats. And I convinced him uh, to train me. And then I saw results and I personally transformed. I ended up winning the competition. And, and by the way, this all happened remotely, right? Because that's, that's the model. JC and the, the company is, is based in Pune, uh, whereas I'm in Delhi. So we had never met. This was purely, you know, over the phone. I went for the competition in China, uh, got good results, came back. Uh, I was asked to come to uh, Pune for the Connect, which is our annual wellness event. And it was there that I spoke. I was invited as a guest speaker. And that's when I really saw the team as well as, you know, I actually got to feel the power and the experience of the community firsthand because we had members coming from all over India for this event. And I really saw how how much customer love there really was um, and, and how these loyal you know brand ambassadors had just been created because right. because they had achieved the results they wanted. So it was only then that we saw a synergy from a professional side of things, um, given my background and, and I joined forces uh, about four years ago now. So been there ever since. <laughs> Amazing. So wait, what competition was this? So this was um, this is Asia Universe. Uh, oh my God. Is- like, right now you're like, you started in Canada, you went to Deloitte, you became Mrs. Asia Universe. You also helped people with the UN project. You helped small startups and big companies also. And then you joined like a startup where you went in as a customer and ended up becoming a co-founder. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that's you. You did nicely, Manav. You should do all my intros. <laughs> I mean, this is great. Like, this is amazing. So what I want to understand is like, Twitter must have been a great value add for you so much so that you ended up working with them and growing the company and the, and the community there. So what was so attractive about going in as a customer and feeling so overwhelmed that you want to actually join them? So what was it about Fitter that, that got you to join? Them? I think it was um, firstly the mission, you know, the mission to make 50 million people fit. I thought it was really, uh, of course, ambitious, but uh, really amazing mission and uh, such a dedicated team that was super passionate about what they were doing. And, and I think what really attracted me to the platform, which was different from any other fitness company that I had seen, was that there was such a strong community. So it wasn't, you know, gimmicky. It wasn't as if they were doing push in your face advertising. It was right. actually people who you were meeting, like real people who were meeting and tell, telling you how this experience had changed their life. Right. Um, and, and that's so powering uh, when you, especially I got to see it in person uh, when I went for the festival, but even online, uh, when you see the testimonials and the transformations that people have actually achieved 
it's it's really remarkable and it's truly inspiring. So mm-hmm. I just felt that if I could be a, a part of that um, and help further this mission, then it would be you know an amazing opportunity for me. Right. So, but just out of curiosity, how does Fitter work, and how is it like helping people transform their lives? Right. So I think that it provides information completely free of cost, which is another, you know, attractive aspect of the model, which you don't find with other companies. So when I say information, there's a lot of myths out there in the fitness industry, uh, you know, people saying you can't eat this, you can eat this. And there's a certain um, distrust that you develop because you wonder if the provider is actually telling you these things because they're trying to push their product, which in most yeah. cases uh, is is true uh, or is it because they actually want to help me and actually want me to transform yeah. so in the case of bitter i think it was really clear um with the mission that was there and and certain guidelines like for example you know not pushing supplements democratizing fitness for everyone ensuring that people understand that you know this is something that is achievable by everyone uh, with whatever resources they have so right. no fad diets no expensive ingredients so i think that aspect of it really appealed to me and it, it showed that, you know, this is something different. This is not a run of the mill company that's just out there to make money. They're, the priority was actually just to help people in the first place and monetization came later. So I was really inspired by that. Right. That's fairly interesting because a lot of your growth, I mean, I'd say yours because you represent Fitter and you're like a brand ambassador yeah. for them too. A lot of your growth has been very organic. I feel a lot of people, like for you instance, for you just happened to be in this Facebook group and it got you to work for the company. What key aspects of like community building, and I think it's all because of the community building part and like a major chunk of it. So what are the key aspects if somebody is looking to build a product out and taking the community route to build this company? What are the key aspects they must ensure to like, must be like, I know there can't be a checklist, but you need to do some things for sure. So what would they be? So I think firstly, um, having a really strong mission mm-hmm. uh, and ensuring that everyone in the community that you're trying to build actually knows what this mission is and is aligned to it is, right. is really, really key. Right. Uh, because at the end of the day, you want to ensure that you know, you're proud of what you're building um, and you have co-builders, right? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's the essence of community. They're helping you build something truly amazing. So ensuring that everyone is aligned to that. Um, and I think that a second aspect to really, really uh, uh, consider um, and ensure is that you maintain the quality of the community going forward. So right. like I mentioned, we have you know very, really strict guidelines around not endorsing supplements, for example. So that was really clear in the guidelines and ensuring that those standards get maintained because mm-hmm. ultimately... You want to create a safe and secure space for people to engage and feel comfortable, you know, posting things that or sharing things that they might not necessarily feel comfortable doing in another place. And and how do you do that? Um, So it's really, really key to have those quality standards and secondly, uh, maintain them, especially as you scale and grow. Okay, so I'm just going to sum it up, guys. You need to have like a... You need to have a mission which is aligned with the community and then you need quality standards. That's the key that one should always keep top of their mind whenever they're building a uh, community. And I think that's very uh, sector agnostic. I think whatever you're doing, you need to have a purpose about why you're doing it. And then you need to have a good quality there. And I think that can just flow out in different industries. And just put one last question out for you. How do you think right now with like with you being a co-founder and a brand ambassador of Fitter and 
winning Miss Asia title, helping kids all across, you know, different parts of the world. So you started working when you were young with your parents, very entrepreneurial, very enterprising. There are a lot of women who probably look up to you. And what would you just like right now, if I give you an open mic to just say something to them about how they can pursue their dreams and how they can go about doing whatever they have to, what would you say? I would say that firstly, it is possible and that, you know, you, you have the ability to do anything that you want if you put your mind to it. But more than that, I would say that it's not necessarily an easy path. You know, really prioritize uh, courage over comfort. Uh, that's something that I, I strongly believe in. And when I say comfort, I don't just mean being in a, in a comfortable environment, but pushing yourself out of your comfort zones, right. whether that's, you know, trying something new or pursuing uh, a new skill that you think uh, might be difficult for you uh, at this point in, in time. I hear that a lot of people saying it's too late or yeah, you know, this exactly. is something I should have done earlier or, you know, now it's like I'm married or now I'm at this age or that age. I, I would just say that it's, it's never too late to do, you know, what you want to do uh, within reason um, and, and just to focus on that and then take actions towards it. Like even yeah. if it's a, a small action a day, if that's your target, then have that and, and work towards that. And I think anything is possible then. The, the sky is the limit. It was so fun speaking to you. I mean, I'd say your resume must be like 10 pages long because you've done so much. I haven't, I haven't like even seen a resume. Like I haven't created or updated my resume in so many years. So that would be an interesting uh, project, a little side project for yeah. me to do. I, I, think, I think you should just definitely do that. And uh, we were recently having this discussion about how long your resume would be. but. With the amount of quality work you've done, I don't think it can be written down on a page or even 10 pages. It's, it reflects with the work you're doing right now. It's amazing. And it was honestly an honor to speak to you today. It was so fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Manav. It was, it was fun for me to speak to you as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>